And welcome back to Night Owl Nerds with our first live Twitch stream. Please keep in mind that this is more of a test run. As you can probably tell, I can't see the thing right now, but you can probably tell our bordering is kind of blacked out, simplified. We are in the works of getting new background imagery, new players and all this stuff. Oh yeah, did I tell you guys you're all being fired? What? Son of a bitch. God. You know what? Fuck the... <laughs> I fucked up the windowing. <laughs> I love it. Well... <laughs> that's a great way to start this out <laughs> normally we reserve the beginning of this show uh as part of a a segment to make announcements and i guess that is our biggest announcement that this is our first live twitch stream i'm not entirely sure how to proceed as i have never live streamed before but uh we do have certain things in the works um we are beginning planning for merchandise cards social media expansions whole bunch of stuff please feel free to follow us on facebook or instagram reach out to us via the messenger we are trying to start a community of D, &D players who want to gather at any given moment to play D, D, talk to each other have fun and hang out get in the discord get in the discord talk to us ask questions whatever you got we're here to answer it uh, please keep in mind that this is 18 and up only. And there are reasons for that, as every single one of our episodes is labeled explicit. If you are the faint of heart, be prepared. Some of the battles get a little bit gruesome in their descriptions. But everything's fantasy. Nothing is real. That being said, are we all ready to jump into tonight's episode? I'm ready. General. Yes. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's do this. All right. Cue up this wonderful music. Last time on Fates Split. As the party had begun their venture from the town of Interion to Vice's hometown of Sheraton. They traveled along, along a long road, circumventing Glacius Lake, a massive freshwater lake just south of the Glacius Mountain Range, at the north end of the continent of Lumos. During their travels, only a few days in, the party stumbled upon a small fishing village along the lake's shore. In this village, they reunited with a chipper young woman by the name of Crystal, who had helped them take care of a problem within the interior, interior mines. Having common goals and common paths, they decided to regroup and continue their travels eastward towards Sheraton. While the party had been in interior, Vice had been given a small bit of worry as one of the tavern keepers had mentioned that they hadn't heard from his hometown, a winemaking town, and that they hadn't heard from Sheraton in quite a long time. And this gave Vice a bit of pause as he worried that his town may have been laid siege by 
an undead horde that seemed to be making its way across the continent, though not always seen. While the party traveled with Crystal towards Sheraton, they did come across a ransacked carriage and campsite, and surmised that perhaps the reason Antirion hadn't heard from Sheraton in a while was simply because the latest shipment of wine had been hit by bandits. The party decided to track down the bandits, following them all the way up to their campsite hidden deep within the South Sheraton woods, and thoroughly decimated them. In a moment of surprise, in a in a surprisingly fast round of combat against 20 odd opponents, you guys rushed in and between magic and brutality just completely wrecked this group of men and thereafter looted their camp, taking their tents, their supplies, anything you could get your hands on. And that is where we are going to pick up tonight's episode. As a lot of you stand among the bodies of these bandits, still leaking fluids into the ground. Moss, you watch as Kata continues chewing on the entrails of one of the wolves that had died during this round of combat. As you wrap up the remnants of their tents, take them apart by their pieces and stuff them into the bag of holding. You all begin to make preparations to either continue on your journey or take rest at some point. What would you all like to do? Um, I am going to change back to my normal form. Okay. So I'm going to change out of my beast of nature. And then <clears throat> I'm going to loot any bodies near me to see if they have anything, I guess, anything of value on them. Okay. Go ahead and roll investigation. Actually, Shatton's already cleared the Hold on. Stuff. Hey. Sorry. Roll investigation. Um, let me see. Well, I don't see shit. Oh, I got a nat one. Ah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know that Shatten had already gone over the remnants of these bodies and walked away with a, a paltry sum just a little bit of coin and that's about it um you don't find en anything additional off of these bodies okay moss is gonna walk over this body right here and he's gonna pull his javelin out of it okay as you pull Glacius Tooth out of the body, it takes a few chunks of frozen flesh with it. And they just kind of fall off the sides of the javelin and clink as they hit the ground. He's just going to kind of stare at the body for a little bit without saying anything. Okay. And you said you already rolled your save for that one? Yep. Okay. Was that the only humanoid you actually killed? So far. All right. 
though Celine is no longer that. Such. Give me a Lost moment. Power. How clearly do you look distraught? Like, is it is it very visible on your face? I wouldn't say it's visible on my face. It'd just probably be a little weird that Moss is just standing there looking at this body. Okay. Uh, DM, can I roll uh, either perception or insight to see if Vice would notice this? Uh, in this instance, go for insight. Could Gurn do the same? Uh, if you'd like to, yes. I rolled a seven. Okay. I'm a pleb. I have to go grab my dice. Oh. Well, in the meanwhile, uh, no, Vice, you do not perceive anything truly amiss with Moss. He's just a little bit quiet at the moment. All right. Uh, Vice is going to turn towards their campfire, um, okay. seeing that it is lit, and just snuff it. Uh, you actually snuffed it with your shatter spell. As you look at the campfire, you notice that there are small embers still kind of glowing, blasted out in, say, probably like a seven-foot radius from the center of the campfire. It's I'll just like little, like one-inch embers just kind of baking on the ground. I'll take the time to snuff those. Okay. It doesn't take you too long Given the amount of space that prestidigitation can affect, it you know, say it takes you like two minutes to walk around and just snuff each one of them out. Gurn got a twelve from where I'm at. Moss. Moss looks. How do I put this? Quiet concern. Like, he's always got this kind yet stoic look on his face, but in this moment, it's leaning more towards stoic, like he's got a bit on his mind. Gurn's going to look at Moss, look down at the body, look back at Moss, back at the body. And he's going to look back up at Moss. And he's going to pull Stick out. And he's going to look down at the body. And he's going to bring Stick over his head onto the, the body's head. Okay. As your maul impacts with the head of this body, it doesn't squish, crunch, or squelch. It shatters. This person had been frozen completely solid from tip to toe. He is ice. Moss. Yeah, that's what uh, my uh, javelin does. <clears throat> um, while this is going on, have the so did. Shatten already searched the tents and everything? Like, they're already destroyed and searched and all that? The tents had actually been searched, emptied, and taken down okay. by Moss and Vice as they had decided that these would be useful tools on the road ahead. Okay. Um... I'm 
going to go over to where Moss and Gurn are. Um, kind of look between the two. <clears throat> um, we should probably move on if there's nothing else for us to do here. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Gurn <clears throat> will lead. I'm like, how much like further is like the town from here? Who are you addressing? Um, any one of the ones near me. <laughs> Moss, you would be the one most notable uh, towards that information. Which, sorry, Twitch, this is a large ass map. You would estimate current track miles. So one, two, three, uh, about four days. Uh, from what I can tell, I'd say probably around four days. So it's not like that, like far. I'm assuming. Yeah, we're we're getting close. Okay. Um, DM, what about what time of day is it right now? Let's see, you stumbled across the ransacked camp. You stumbled across the ransacked camp at about midday. It took you all of forty odd minutes to find the bandit camp because there's not a lot of space between the path between the roadway and the shore of the lake is not very far. Um, so it would have taken you about 40. So I, I would say early mid or, or the equivalent of about one in the afternoon. We probably should get going before it gets much later while we still have sunlight out. I'm going to be saying this to Moss and anyone that's near me, by the way. DM is the four days with the totem out <laughs> with your totem it would okay. be eight otherwise all right does uh, anybody have anything else they want to do here uh, i'd like to search for the um see if they have any food we can take with us I'd like to and I like to see if I can find to find some food. Roll for that. Uh, yeah, go ahead and roll investigation. So, and eleven. With an eleven, you do find one crate that was not destroyed by the shatter spell. That was kind of tucked off and up to the side of the only tent that Moss and Vice decided not to take down. Uh, this crate contains what looks to be dried rations. Jerkies, hardtack, you know, not tasty stuff, but good for people that are on the road for a while. You find approximately 10 days rations in this crate. Um, how many of them have just are just meat? Uh, just meat, uh, four of them. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and take the jerkies. Okay. So that's four days rationed worth of jerky. 
Ooh, good haul. Take a little for me. And she's gonna run off. Um, do I see this crate too, or am I too far away? Uh, well, let's move us back to the appropriate map. So the crate that Shatten would have found would have been in this region here. Oh yeah, then no, I'm too far away. Yeah. However, okay. looking looking across this relatively small quote unquote battlefield, you if you were keeping an eye out, you would have seen Shatten go over there and kind of search around and then start stuffing things in her pack. Alright. Um then I'm gonna make my way over there out of curiosity, just to kinda see what Shatten has. Okay. <laughs> Fine, you can't take this food from me. You found food? Yeah. Well, I'm not going to take any food that you took. But is there any more left? There's a little bit. Uh, can I look in the crate and see if there's anything left? Yeah. What you find is uh, hardtack. Basically packed bars of oatmeal and grain. Um, How much is it? Like, how much is there in the... About six days' worth of rations. In um, boring, terrible granola bars. I'm going to take them. And then... Uh, as I start walking, I'll offer two to each party member. As a way of kind of helping everyone out. There's a very good chance I don't know what hardtack is, but you have to uh, It's a biscuit. Sure. Uh, so pawning it off on everyone else? No, I figured I'd give everybody food. I can easily just hunt for food if I want to. If I figured Jeez, if anyone's sure. hungry now, they can... I'm willing to share. Shatten took her fill, so I'm making sure everyone else has theirs. I, you will see Moss has already left. Alright, I will follow after then. Gurn is right with Moss and Kata. Moss, you hear within your head the familiar, mildly hissing voice of Kata. What's wrong, Moss? You seem troubled. She'll hear back in her head. I, uh, I don't like killing humans. It's, it's basically against everything I was raised. I can understand that, but sometimes bad people need to be ended. I know, just doesn't make it any easier. Remember, all die within their time when they are supposed to. For some, that fate is in the hands of others. Just rather it not be me. 
if it would aid you, you could always ask me to kill. I appreciate that, but like you said, sometimes there isn't really much of a choice. Well, it would seem your friends are concerned for you. Perhaps they could offer more support. She kind of glances towards Gurn, who is jauntily walking by your side. Moss isn't going to say anything back. Okay. In this silence, you hear the light squish of the guts that are still on Gurn's foot. So we all decide to leave this bandit camp and continue our journey northeast. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Pop us back over to the world map. And the remainder of your day. I imagine that you are all strictly traveling. Is there anything that would like to be done during the remainder of the day? You have approximately seven hours of solid daylight before you believe you have to make camp? Um, while I'm walking, can I keep my eyes out for any small prey that could, I could potentially hunt for food? Sure, roll survival. I got an 11. Okay. During the remainder of the day, it would seem that the smaller prey, the smaller game, are kind of keeping their distance from you, especially with the presence of Kata within your party. She does not step lightly. Um, at best, the things that you feel you could hunt would be the forest fowl, the occasional pheasant or turkey, but they have a tendency to get away from you quickly. So unless you have a way to hunt them without getting up close and personal. I'm not concerned. It's just okay. something to pass the time. That's fine. So for the remainder of your day, we are going to move you up to along that line. The day on the calendar. All right. So as we approach the end of the day, you all feel, you know, the, the sun begins to drop. The sky shifts from a pale blue into pinks and oranges. Clouds begin to roll in, but they don't appear to be threatening clouds, just standard end-of-day con condensation and such. You all believe that it is time to start finding a place to camp for the night. Will we be camping alongside the road, or are we going to be searching for somewhere off the beaten path? I'm going to search off the beaten path. Gurn, as you are helming the expedition, thanks to your totem spirit, will you be helping Selene in this matter, or are you going to be standing there twiddling your thumbs? Yeah, Gurn's going to assist Selene. All right, Selene, roll, roll survival at advantage. Thank God for that advantage. <laughs> Um, I got a 16. Okay. With a 16, you do manage to find a small grove uh, about 200 feet off the path that appears to be kind of surrounded by small saplings, but at the center is just like soft moss 
Um, it, it would seem to be a, a nice area to set up camp that has a fair amount of natural uh, blockage from the road so that you won't be easily seen. I'm going to uh, wave up, wave over my party. Hey, I found a spot for us to camp for the night. <clears throat> it look good. Crystal will go over to where it was directed. And will follow as well. Shame. Thank you, Gern, for the help. I appreciate it. You're welcome. So as you all follow Selene and Gurn to this small grove within the forest, you find an area that it, it, it looks very comfortable. It's like, I'd say a 50-foot diameter hole in the forest. Small saplings just kind of surround it. The ground is completely covered in a thick, soft green moss, a little bit moist to the touch. But there's nothing else here. No rocks, no boulders. You all kind of like... Gurn most likely decides to just flop down on the moss. You don't feel a single rock in your back. This appears to be like a bed in the middle of the forest, and you hear the gentle chirping of birds off in the distance, uh, the chirps of uh, various insects off in the trees, the occasional pair of squirrels fighting over a nut, whatever they're doing. It just seems like a very calm, very serene section of forest. What would you all like to do? I'm going to go and try to find everyone some dinner. I'm and, going to join. And uh, Shatton's going to go out hunting. Okay. Shatton and Celine, one of you roll survival at advantage or you both roll individually? Uh... I'll give you advantage, Shatton. Okay. Let's see here. Survival. Yeah, I'm going to need it. Oh, that's not too shabby. That is a 15. Okay. Your small rabbit-like body seems to have absolutely no problem rushing through this forest, dodging between trees, jumping over roots, uh, it, dodging stumps that seem to pop out of nowhere. But with Celine's guidance in finding tracks to follow, paths, little markers that show where you know animals have been, where they're going, that kind of thing, you do eventually stumble upon a small deer. Seems to be an adolescent just kind of munching on some leaves in the distance. And with your innate delthing abilities, you have no problem sneaking up on this creature, winging a psychic dagger at it right in the neck. And this thing falls to the ground, convulsing and foaming at the mouth. Hello, delicious. Celine, she during this time helping Shatten hunt, you decided to do a bit of foraging yourself and found a good handful of berries and edible mushrooms to go alongside whatever Shatten comes across. Okay. Shatten's going to try to drag the body back. 
Go ahead and roll a strength check. Uh, eight. Yeah. Selene, you eventually catch up with Shatten, and you find her both arms around the neck of this deer, trying to drag it, and she's moving it a couple inches per second, just kind of like very slowly dragging it, and there's like leaves and detritus just like coming along with it, and it, it's not going well. Uh, can I assist? You may uh, assist. Okay. If she'll let, um, if she'll let you, hold on. Yeah, uh, a little help, please. You look like you're struggling a little bit there, Shatten, and I'm gonna help to pick up the body a little bit. Between the two of you, it takes some effort, but Celine, you know how to carry a felled deer. Even with your lithe body, you know what points to pick it up by, and with Shatten's minuscule assistance, you do manage to get the deer back to camp, along with a satchel full of mushrooms and berries. Hey, Moss. Yeah. Would, uh, would you be able to help me in pitching these tents? I'm not sure I know how to. Yeah, I can, I can do that. Thank you. Gern will help too. Gern well, runs over and helps. Crystal will come over to watch, you know, moral support with the putting up the tents. Okay. Are, are you, are you going to be performing music during this time, or are you just kind of staring at them? Um... You know, she'll, she'll play some music on her violin. Okay. So Strumming some notes. Stringing some notes. Okay. So as Moss pulls open the bag of holding and takes out the various parts of the tent, starting, the three of you begin laying them down, setting them up and whatnot, you hear the gentle notes of a violin being played on the other side of this clearing. You look over and you notice Crystal has pulled out her violin and it's just kind of giving you a little tune to build by. Gurn, don't! <clears throat> Gurn throws his tent pieces on the ground and gets up and goes away. He starts looking for firewood and he's starting to build a... a good-sized campfire in the outside edge of the tent opening. Okay. Thankfully, what Gurn had thrown down was the canvas, which he had failed to thoroughly unwrap. So, nothing got broken. <laughs> Alright, so we'll get the pieces lined up where they need to be and try and assemble them. Okay. Don't think Gern's used a tent much before. I think he prefers caves. Well, I think a dry place to sleep is a dry place to sleep. True. As the two of you set up these tents, and it, you know, it takes you a little bit as 
you guys aren't completely familiar with these tents and you know rebuilding them but you did take them down so you kind of reverse construct them um you both pick up a distinct yet faint smell of wine and as you look at the canvas you notice that the bandits had had their fun and spilled some along the canvas I'll press uh, press to digitate that off. Try sure. to get the stains out. While we're uh, setting it up, Moss will show Vice how to tie a proper knot. <laughs> okay. Monkey fist. Hmm. Yeah, I remembered Zandy. It's a decorative knot, Robin. Yeah, I, I I'm well aware of that, but. You said you wanted to. It, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, that's then that's fair. All right. So about the time you guys managed to finish setting up the tents and Gurn has finally managed to get a good fire going on top of the moist moss. Uh, Crystal just about reaches the crescendo of the piece that she's playing. Shatton and Celine return, dragging along a fairly good sized deer. We're back. Who else is hungry? Um, once we get close enough to the fire, I'm going to start um, cleaning up the deer and skinning it so I can start cooking up the meat. Okay. It does not take you very much time. You are very familiar with this process. Sleen. Yes, Gern? Gern, have heart. Yes, you can have the heart. I'll, I save that for you. Kern holds his hand out. Um, once I get to that, I hand over the heart. Okay, so Gurn, you stand there for a good ten minutes as Celine continues carving the deer with your arm just outstretched, hand open. And you just stand there, still. Patient. Until Celine eventually manages to cut out the heart and places it in your hand, still dripping. Karn is going to take a good whiff of set heart. It smells like a heart. And he is going to sink his foot. You all hear the uh, an incredibly loud squelch and watch as blood sprays in every direction from Gurn's face. And he's just standing there chewing with a big-ass grin on his face. Chatton's going to uh, just watch as his heart's being eaten. Thanks. Chatton, you feel your own heart beat just a little bit harder. Not faster, harder. That was my kill. <laughs> You, you want to bite? Sure. She'll reach up for a bite. Gurn reaches his hand down further so she can take a bite out of his hand. It is already been chewed, but it's not bad. It's refreshing. She'll take a bite out of it. Okay. So you're all fairly accustomed to Gurn eating in a sloppy manner. You may be slightly taken aback as Shatton's tiny heron gone form bounces forward 
takes the heart from Gurn's hand and starts ravenously biting into this piece of raw flesh. He'll hand the rest of it back. After a second nibble. <clears throat> Gurn hands the last bite back to Shat. She tosses it up and uh, she'll catch it with her mouth. Mm, not bad. I haven't tried it this way before. Good, um, kill. Gurn pats Shat on the head that Thank he you. was just holding the bloody heart in with that hand. Shat, and you have been anointed in the blood of your kill. Um, as that's happening, after I'm done carving up deer, I'm going to start cooking the meat and then the berries and herbs that I gather, I'm going to kind of cook with it a little bit. Okay, yeah, you go ahead and, and just, cook those berries. Well, mix whatever I have together and make some kind of flavor. Okay. Not necessarily cook them, but... That's fine. Given a bit of a bit of time and the hearty fire that Gurn had managed to put together and the pots and pans you guys apparently have, you do manage to pull together a, a good night's meal worth of venison and mushrooms with some berries on the side, along with whatever other ingredients you may have had within your packs that you decide to add into this. And you all have a very nice evening meal. Uh, Celine, you take the remaining parts of the venison and you set it aside to cure next to the fire to uh, get some venison jerky prepared by the morning. DM, did the venison and mushrooms need salt? Well, I suppose that's up to you. Should I roll for saltiness? Uh, no, you should just decide whether or not it's salty enough for you. Well, if you're going to assault something, that's an attack roll, right? I hate it here. <laughs> All right, server boot incoming. <laughs> the Italy. Puns. All right, are we doing watches for the night? I'll take Vice will take. Vice will take first. What? Right. Vice will take first watch. Okay. Um, I will take third. All right. So as everybody settles in for the night, having eaten their fill, some of you, uh, who all is choosing to sleep in a tent? No. Just, just no. Okay. <laughs> Crystal will. Oss is going to sleep where he normally sleeps. Okay. Is there a tree branch uh, or uh, low enough for me to climb into? All of the trees surrounding this small grove are saplings. They're not quite large enough to support your body. In that case, uh, Shant will sleep in one of the tents with uh, bringing some moss into the tent as bedding. Uh, which part of him? Okay. I uh, get it. Gurn, are you sleeping on the ground or in a tent? Face. Yes, Gun. 
Gun not to sleep. Uh, it okay if I stay up with you some? Of course, you can you can stay up as long as you like, Gun. Okay. Gern's going to scooch a little closer to you, wherever you are, whether it's by the campfire or... I like to picture that we're on opposite sides of the grove, and you just, instead of getting up and walking over, just scooch your entire way across the grove. There a is half now, circle. There is now a gouge in the moss that is appropriately sized to Gurren's ass. With the exception of a small patch that had been torn up by Shatton to create a nest within one of the tents. All right. As everybody begins to settle down, Celine, you're what sleeping on the moss? Um, I was gonna sleep like somewhat in the woods, woodsy area, like on the entrance of like it, just outside the perimeter of this grove. Yes. Like between the trees. Yes. Okay. All right, Vicegern. As your watch begins, you watch as. Shatten gathers up a pile of moss and walks into one of the tents and you hear her shuffling around and beginning to create a nest. Crystal walks into the other tent wanting nothing to do with Shatten and goes silent. Moss goes off to a corner of the grove and curls up with Kada, wrapped up in her large drake body. They both begin to settle down and you don't hear anything but you assume they're gently communicating between each other. Celine just kind of stands up and walks into the woods. And you hear leaves crunch as she sits down for her meditation. And the two of you are left alone, sitting on opposite sides of the fire. And your watch begins. Vice, if you are taking the active first watch, please roll perception. Gurn, if are you helping with this or are you just here to keep him company? Gurn is just there. He's not okay. really Flat looking roll, out for threats too too much. Oh man, I sure hope nothing gets by me. It's gonna be a nineteen. Alright. As an overall statement, for your watch with a nineteen the night is incredibly quiet. The forest itself is not silent, but very calm, very peaceful. You do occasionally hear what sounds like skittering coming from within uh, Shatten's tent, and you assume in her dream she's kind of kicking her feet a little bit. But that's really about all you notice. There doesn't seem to be anything posing any threat to your campsite during this segment. What would you like to do during your watch? So, Gun. How, 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 how you doing, buddy? Um, you kind of catched a longing look on Gurn's face. Gurn is 
Um, Gern, no, no. What? He feel. Okay. Um. Do. Do you, do you miss home? Like you feel a little like, like, uh, almost sad that you're not home? No, Gern, Gern no miss cave. Um, Does Gern miss the goblins? Yeah. Okay. Gern miss Kenton meme. And kippin' flippin' chippin' hip and flop chopped up, you know. All of them, yeah. Mm. I I understand, Kern. I know uh <clears throat> when I first left Sheraton to go over to Hastholm and lived in the tower, uh it was very difficult at first. And what that feeling is, Gern, it is called homesick. And you just miss being home. You miss your friends. You miss your family. Um, and it, it is difficult. It can be very difficult. Um, it does get easier. You'll always miss them. But there are times that you can go back and see them. And you can write letters to them. Once we get into a town, we can definitely send uh, send a letter out to them. Or we can we can find ways that they can communicate with us. We can. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Especially, especially with uh, them living in Interion now. Um, Vice is going to take a moment to try to explain, um, like, the what would be the postal service of, <laughs> of, of like, this area, this, this, this part of the world. Yeah. Um, and how letters can be traveled. Uh, and so even though you're long long away from home very far distances uh, you can still communicate with them uh, regularly in fact one second while I go through my spells I don't have it in fact there are ways that we can uh, talk to them using magic if we really wanted to um, if we needed to talk to them immediately it's not but something it's not something I know how to do. There's um, there's talking magic. There is talking magic. Watch. And Vice will um, point, will, will cover his mouth completely with his hand and point at Gurn and cast message, um, which allows him to speak to Gurn in Gurn's head and and he will say like this as that happens Gurn instantly snaps and looks behind him and then looks back at you and looks to his left <clears throat> and there's I can only do that so far right I couldn't do it if I was standing over in the trees but there's more powerful magics like that that would allow you to talk with someone further away. So if we never needed to reach out to Kint and talk to him, we could do that regularly if that would help, if that would make you feel better. 
not, but... Not all the time. Well, no, of course not. Not all the time. But if you ever wanted to reach out to him and say, we get to Interion and we want to find out how he's doing, or a couple weeks down the road, we want to know how his shop's doing, find out how Meme's doing, you know, all that, we can absolutely do that. We can write a letter and we can... Gern, can you write? Do you know how to write? Gern, no, no. Write. Okay. Well, we can... I, I'm sure that it's something that Celine or I could help you with. Um, even Master Shatton. Probably not Crystal. But... Any of us could help you with writing a letter to Kint or Meme or Flip, Dip, Chip, Flop, Hop, Drop, any of them. We should probably keep it to a few of them, though. That way we're not writing 26 letters. <clears throat> Meme and Kent. Once we get to Interion, we can definitely send a letter back, or excuse me, to Sheraton. We can definitely send a letter back to Interion. Oh, Gern. Like... Thanks, Vice. Oh. Gern's going to put his hand on your shoulder. And he's going to get... He's going to get up. He's not going to scooch. He's going to get up and go back over to the other side of the fire. And he's going to lay down. And go to sleep. You know, Gern, if, if you want, you can sleep in a tent. It's, it's, like, a, it's like a portable cave with thinner walls. That. Gern's going to point at it. Yeah, it's a, it's like it's a shelter. Gern's going to go back over to it. Struggle a little bit with the cloth flap on the door. And then go back to the fire and lay back down. Yeah, fair enough. Cloth flaps can be tricky. Can't find the opening. <clears throat> okay, so... Gurn just sleeps on the ground because he couldn't solve the door. Vice, is there anything else you would like to do with the remainder of your watch? Once Gurn um, is snoring, uh, Vice will quietly stand up and walk toward, like, walk in the grove for a little bit, do a couple rounds. Um, and every once in a while, he'll cast um, Minor Illusion. And what he's going to do is he's going to create the form of a translucent being. Almost like a, like a ghost of a human that's standing up and walking. And it's going to walk about 25 feet into the woods. And he's not going to do this over towards Selene because he knows where she is based on the crunching he heard earlier. Um, and it's just going to walk their perimeter just outside and see if he can hear anything scurrying at the side of it. Oh, okay. So you're trying to deceive potential threats. Yep. Fair enough. Um, this experiment, while inspired, yields no results. Every once in a while, you hear the, scutter, the, the, the skittering of very small animals as they're startled by suddenly seeing 
something near them. Um, but you presume it's nothing more than like chipmunks and squirrels. Little foragers who happen to be out during the night. The occasional flit of a bird as it flies away. But nothing large enough to uh, be perceived as a threat. Once he's done making his rounds, Vice will sit down um, back at the campfire and uh, noting that they're outside of um, civilization. He's just going to kind of lean back and enjoy the early night sky. As you look upward from the grove, there is a break in the canopy, a small circle where leaves are not, and you can see all the way up to the sky. For a moment, you think you can see the light of the moon, but it is the slightest sliver behind the foliage. But you find yourself looking at the stars, hundreds of stars, just shining like little perforations in a black canvas. The occasional cloud kind of rolls by, blocking your view and then just dissipates again. And that's how I will spend my watch, doing mm-hmm. rounds and gate stargazing. As your watch begins to come to a close, you believe it is approximately the time to awaken Shatten for her watch. Shatten got lucky. <laughs> Weiss will stand up, kind of stretch his legs a little bit, do one more round, and go nicely wake up Shatten by um, calling out to her from outside the tent. Shatten, you awake? I am now. All right, it's time for your watch. Okay. Okay, I'll be out. She's going to... Uh, climb out from underneath the moss and uh, and uh, come out of the tent, look around. Yeah. <laughs> when we picked up two tents, there was a small one and a larger one. Mm-hmm. Which one did Shatten make her nest in? That's a, good, that's a question for her. She would have picked the smaller one. Okay. Uh, anything we should know about? Uh, Gun is sleeping right there next to the fire, as you can see. Um, I don't remember if he had gone to bed before Celine just promptly stood up and walked off without another word. Um, and if you were already in here, then she's over that way. And Vice is going to point to where he uh, last saw Celine and where he heard her crunching as she sat down. Um, so don't be alarmed if you find an elf meditating over there that looks just like Celine because it is Celine. Okay. Um, and then don't get it by Kata. Oh, I'll do my best on that. Vice is going to like peek his head in to the tent and cast dancing, a dancing light in there. Did you make your bed like direct center of the tent? No, <laughs> she would have made it. She would have made it in the, in the corner. If you need anything, let me know. Okay. Uh, nothing, nothing's out there. At least there wasn't. 
and Vice will retire in that tent for the evening, for the night even. All right. Shatton, if you could roll perception for your watch. Okay, that is going to be uh, 22. No, wait, let me, let me double check. Uh, I'm sorry, 24. All right. During your watch, you don't perceive anything that could be considered a threat. The night is very quiet. Bugs chirp in the distance, but the chirping becomes more and more faint as the various bugs decide to call it a night. You hear the occasional flit of a bat overhead as it tries to catch a bug in this clearing. About an hour into your watch, you are startled by moss, very suddenly waking up in a confused manner, who in turn awakens Kata. Moss, during your rest, you feel a familiar tug at the back of your mind. Moss, it's Warthus. Sorry for the quick departure. Open the crew is controlling the chaos. Oh, and whatever you do, please do make sure to. You suddenly hear the voice of Farthus in the back of your mind calling out to you, but his message is cut short before he can finish it. You awaken with a start and look around, wondering if your friend has suddenly returned to you. But you don't see anything except Shatton looking concerned in your direction. What's wrong? Uh, must have... Must have been a dream, I think. Thought I, uh, heard Forthus. She immediately just frowns and just... Shoulders just droop. Oh? What did he say? Apologize for the quick departure and said to look out for something, but it stopped before I said what it was. It's like he got cut off. Oh. She's gonna look towards the sky, looking around. It must have just been a dream then. It's been quiet so far. Masa's gonna speak to Kata in her head. Like, do you do you know of a way that someone could speak to somebody throughout the plains? I am not familiar with the inner workings of magics, but I have heard of such things being attained through focus and will. So Moss is going to sit down and try and basically focus and see if he can re-up the connection, basically. <laughs> what would you like to say? <laughs> um... Where did you go, and what do I have to look out for? 
when you're about right right at the moment you finish saying what do I have to look out for you feel that pull once again uh, sorry words limits are cunts please watch each other's backs I believe in all of you sorry for leaving please respond love you guys Love you too. How the fuck are you doing this? You wait after saying that. Five, ten, fifteen minutes. And you do not hear him again. Us? Is everything okay? Yeah. Somehow. I was able to, like, think a message back to him and then he responded again to make sure we watched each other's backs and that he loved us all and something about word limits so he messaged you yeah somehow oh He's uh, gonna move over to the edge of the camp on the opposite side. He's gonna make a little pile of uh, moss. You know, stack it up and she's gonna put little two little sticks on the top of it. Moss is just gonna go back to sleep. <clears throat> okay. Uh, Shatton, you're making another effigy of Forthus. And some target practice, yes. Yeah, I kind of figured. So for the remainder of your watch, you are throwing your psychic daggers or your physical daggers? Psychic daggers. Okay. So silently, you throw forward your purple and orange carrot-shaped psychic daggers. And as they consistently pierce through what would be the face of this fourth effigy, while you are doing this, you hear the distinct crunch of a person moving in the brush in the general direction of where Vice had pointed out that Celine had gone to take her rest. And you believe that she has now awoken from her meditation and begins to rejoin the camp. Catton's going to take this opportunity to practice some of her stealth. And she's going to hide along the edge of the camp. Go ahead and roll stealth. That is going to be uh, 25. Okay. Celine, as you re-enter the camp, you look around and you see a small pile of torn up moss with a couple of twigs stuck in the top of it. Gurn is passed out next to the campfire. Moss is somewhat... He's resting with Kata, but you can tell it's not quite a restful sleep. Vice and Crystal are out of sight, and Shatten, who you believe should be taking watch, is also just gone. 
Um. So as I near the campfire, I'm gonna kind of look around for where Shatten could be potentially hiding. Wondering if she got in trouble again. You are welcome to roll perception to try to find her. Okay. I got a 17. As you All right, around, oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, 21. As you look around the camp, you are unable to find a trace of Shet. Yeah, I was afraid of that. In that case, I'm just going to start walking around the campsite and seeing if I could find any, I don't know, tracks or any danger or any threats or anything. So you're just kind of presuming that your watch has begun and Shatten has gone into the mist? Yeah. Okay. We'll carry over your perception roll from trying to find Shatten. You don't seem to find any threats. Shatten, what are you doing? He's going to attempt to try to put a little bit of moss in everyone's pockets, uh, packs. With Selena awake and doing yep. perimeter checks. Yep. Good roll practice. Another, roll another stealth and a sleight of hand. Okay, stealth first. And that's going to be a 23. And sleight of hand. Oof. Uh, dirty 30. It is incredible how you managed to pull this off. Even with Celine actively walking around keeping an eye out on things. And from what you can tell from your little perch in the shadows, she is keeping an active, vigilant watch. Keeping an eye out for you and anything else that may approach. And yet at just the right moment, you silently creep up behind her using the moss to your advantage and sneak a little packet of it right inside the satchel on her hip and then disappear into the shadows again before she even has a chance to notice. And you continue doing this over and over to each of your party members. Everybody add a handful of moss to your inventory, apparently. Thanks, you Shatten. Are you going to go back to bed now? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You sneak back into your tent, back onto your nest. You and I assume Vice is the last one to get a small packet of moss. He gets two handfuls. You get, oh, two, okay. And you kind of creep around him to your nest in the corner of that tent and go back to sleep. Celine, is there anything you would like to do with your watch? Um, I'm... Actually, yeah. Uh, give me a second. Um, I'm going to take those bits of the deer and uh, continue trading them okay. if I can. Yeah. I mean, you can use the remainder of your watch to, to you know, keep an eye out for threats, but at the same time, continue curing the remaining venison. Yeah. Get it, get it to a nice smoky taste. All right. Will yeah. that be all for you? Yes. Yes, Moss. 
about an hour into your watch, you're going to see Moss get up and walk off in the woods. He's not even going to say anything. He's just going to walk away. I'm going towards the direction of where I know the lake is. Okay. Because I'm going to do some thinking while I fish. Because that's okay. the best way Moss knows how to think. Are you having Kata accompany you, or is she staying no. at the camp? Okay. So Kata does stir when you get up, but you instruct her that you are just going to fish and think, and that she should stay with the remainder of the party, and she does so. A little begrudgingly, you can tell she doesn't want to leave your side, but she nestles back down and stays awake for the remainder, just kind of... Celine, you look over and you you see Moss stand up, kind of look at Kata for a moment. He glances at you and he just walks off into the woods in the direction of the lake. And Kata just kind of turns her head, watching him walk away, and then turns back to the camp and rests her head down on the moss. Her eyes are open and she just seems to be looking around. I'm... I'm going to call on my familiar then. I'm going to call on a barred owl. A barn owl? Bard. I don't know if I'm saying it right. Barn. Fine, barn. Owl. Sure. You're calling upon an owl. Yeah. Okay. And I'm going to instruct it to fly overhead to assist me with my watch and then I'm going to kind of uh, follow Moss but maybe trying to be stealthy about it because I don't want to like alert him so you summon the owl is it coming with you or is it staying at the camp no I'm having it fly overhead to keep an along, eye on along with you or staying at the camp he's walking oh. like a quarter mile away to the lake um, in the camp. Okay. So on silent wings, your owl flies off and lands in one of the nearby trees. And you look up and you can just see the glint of the firelight in its large eyes. If you'd like to follow Moss, go ahead and roll stealth. I got a 19. Pretty sure it beats your passive, Moss. Yeah, 15. Okay. So it doesn't seem you, you do eventually catch up to Moss. He's not necessarily being sneaky about this. He's just making a beeline, a quiet beeline to the to the lake. But he doesn't seem to notice your presence as you follow him. I'm going to How does he look to me right now? Like does he look upset? Does he look angry? Does he I assume you're looking at his backside, so he looks like a turtle. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I imagine when he gets... <laughs> I when imagine he when gets, he gets to, he gets he to gets the... When he gets to the lake, when he gets to the lake, you gotta th you think about it, you're being stealthy, staying in the woods, he gets yeah. to the lake, goes to shore, and starts fishing. At no point does he turn... He doesn't know you're there, so he never turns back to face the forest. At all times, you're looking at his backside. Okay. If you want to try to discern how he seems to be feeling, you can roll insight, but it would be a disadvantage. Because there's really nothing to perceive here. I'm going to just kind of walk up to him. 
so I'm going to drop myself and just walk up to him then. Okay. Um, I will gently place my hand on his shoulder, trying not to alert him or scare him or anything. Um, yeah, he'll just kind of glance up at you. Just be like, hey, Celine, what's up? Wait. Glancing, glancing down because I'm shorter than you, so. Oh, I'd be sitting. Oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, are you okay? Yeah, just needed to do some thinking. Nothing better than thinking and fishing. Maybe get some breakfast at the same time. You want to talk, or do you want to be alone? I'd probably rather be alone. It's easier to think without, you know, talking to people. I understand. I just wanted to let you know that I'm here if you need me. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Um, I will drop my hand from his shoulder and start heading back to the campsite. Letting him be alone. Okay, uh, when you decide to leave Moss on his own, you refocus and try to connect with your familiar and realize that you no longer have a connection with your familiar. Like it faded or like, like it went away? Like you or... do not have a connection with your familiar. All right. Um... As you continue walking back towards the camp... You get within about a hundred feet of the camp and you suddenly feel that small tug at the back of your head and you feel like your connection has been restored. Okay, so I just went out of distance. As per the specifications on the spell, you only have a telepathic link with your familiar within 100 feet. Okay. So walking away to follow Moss to the shoreline at a quarter mile away, you lost your connection actually pretty early. But you were so focused on following Moss and staying healthy, you didn't really notice that loss of connection. Okay. Um. So when I get back to the camps, I'm just gonna kind of sit by the fire, keeping an eye on things on the ground while my familiar flies up ahead. Okay. As day begins to break. The sun begins to rise. The sky shifts from a dark blue to a lighter blue. Clouds begin to dissipate, and you begin to see the rays of sunlight shining through the various trees. You look down, and you see a shimmer across this grove as the morning dew has almost thoroughly coated the moss and gurn. And a new day has begun. And I believe it is actually a good time for us to take our break. And for the sake of the audio only podcast, and we're back. As a reminder of you beginning to awaken from your rest, you find Celine. Finishing up the curing of some venison. Kata 
lying in the moss without the moss. Gern, as you awaken, there's a taste in your mouth. And for half a second, you can't breathe right. You kind of sit up and spit something out and you look down and there's a half-chewed mass of saliva-soaked moss sitting on the ground next to you. Gurn rubs his tongue and just kind of looks around. Pulls some moss out of the ground and sniffs it. Puts it back on the ground. <laughs> Gurn, hungry. Moss, at what point do you return to the camp or do you not? Uh, probably like <clears throat> probably around like a half hour or so after the sun comes up. Okay. So around the time everybody's kind of waking up and Vice is trying to figure out how to take down the tents and Celine has Celine, have you informed everyone that Moss is okay? He's just taking a little personal time. Um no, I was kind of waiting for everybody to kind of wake up first. Um I did have a question though. Do I is my owl still around or is it gone? It would if you haven't dismissed it by now, it would still be there, but you know that you don't have much time left with it. All right. So, um I'm trying to think. I'm going to call it over to me and then basically say thank you and then dismiss it and let it fly off. Okay. So you call the owl, you call out to the owl, and it flies down from behind you. It alights on your shoulder and kind of nuzzles up on you a little bit. You give it a gentle thank you, and it begins to fly off across the camp. Anyone else, anybody who has awakened at this point and is watching this interaction, watches as this owl flaps its wings as it kind of leaps off of Celine's shoulder. And it flies about 10, 15 feet up. And as if hit by a wall from beak to tail, it just turns into a mist and is carried off by the wind. I just finished making venison if you want some. Um, Gurn is sat up into a sitting position and he's going through his bag and he pulls another clump of moss out of his bag as he was looking for rations. Just really puzzled. He's just like holding it. Kern would like. Throws the moss onto the ground and gets up and makes his way over to you. Um, I'm going to wait for him to sit down and then offer him a piece of venison. Yes, please. Oh, by the way, um, I checked in with Moss. He's okay. He just needed time to think and figure things out. 
Mass made that guy really cold. He just seems like he has a lot in his mind, that's all. Gurn, don't. No. You're pretty simple, Gurn, and that's not a bad thing. Sometimes that's a little easier to be simple. It makes things less complicated. Yeah, but Gurn... Like... Money. Gurn, well, no, no. And he do want... You don't have any money? No, Gurn. Want to know more. Oh, well, I can definitely teach you more. Me or Voss. Vice. Me or Vice. <laughs> or Voss. <laughs> I can English, I swear. <laughs> You're still looking at you like. And he takes the venison from your hands and starts to eat. What would you like to know, Gurn? <clears throat> Gurn. Gurn would like to know. Um, Gurn. Don't know. Well, hmm. you want to learn how to talk more, write, read. Shut. Hurry up. What? She comes you, out of a tent. You. Gurn thumps himself in the head a couple times. Oh, right. Uh, she's going to establish a psychic link with him. Okay. For how long? It'll last three hours. All right. Is everything okay, Gurn? <clears throat> yes. Gurn just not able to talk good, but he think good, right? You know, see... Um, so Gurn tried to tell Celine that he want to do stuff and learn things, but he doesn't know how to do those and stuff. You want me to tell her that? Yeah, Gurn wants to learn how to talk and he wants to learn how to make money and, and no money and... But, but Gurn don't know how to do... Okay, I'll let her know. Uh, Shat's gonna approach the two of them. Uh, Gurn says he wants to learn how to speak properly, to make money, how to, how to lose money, or how not to lose money. And, uh, I'm guessing read and write as well? <clears throat> then Gurn make leather to meme and Kent. He wants to be able to write letters home. Alright. Thank you, Shat, for translating that. I'm gonna turn back to Gurn. 
Um, well, I can't teach you how to read and write here because I don't have anything. But perhaps when we get to a city and I find a shop or something, maybe I can find a book or some paper and then teach you. As for speaking, we can work on that as well. We'll start with simple words before we get into big words. <laughs> like encouragement. <laughs> it's very impressive that you can say that word, but yes. Words like that. Okay. I... <clears throat> I think we should teach him the word xylophone and how to write it. I don't even know how to spell it. Have you even seen a xylophone? I don't even know what that is. Oh, this is Crystal is going to come out of the other tent hearing this conversation. <laughs> I'm like, why are you like talking about xylophones? I'm going to turn to Crystal. What is that? Oh, it's like an instrument. What kind of instrument is it? I've never heard of this before. Doesn't ring a bell with me. I'm like, you like it, like hit it. And it like makes noise, you know, it, as like instruments do. It would be in short. The perfect instrument for Gern. Well, perhaps you can show me what this instrument is next time we're in a market. And then perhaps then we can teach Gern how to play it. I think we should start with teaching him how to speak. And well, then we can go into the more complex things. Like, insert anything more complex than speaking. Because speaking is fairly simple. But Gurn, my good friend, is a fairly simple man. Like I was telling Gurn, that's not necessarily a bad thing being simple. No, absolutely not. In fact, he's the best damn hunter I've ever seen. Exactly. But as for the speaking portion, I might need help with that. He may be even one of the best damn casters I've ever seen. <laughs> Gun magic is amazing. <laughs> it Gun is. magic. See. Definitely has a strong impact. Gurn's going to pull the stick out. And he is going to do a bout of Gurn magic right here because everybody's talking about it. And uh, yeah. I'm going to take a step back. He wants to show. <laughs> so you're going to attempt this? Yeah. With yep. stick? With stick. Okay. You all watch as Gurn very proudly like straightens up a little bit and draws the massive maul from his waistband. And he just kind of wields it in both hands, just kind of chuckling to himself. And he begins swinging it up 
and down, back and forth, side to side. Go ahead and roll an athletics check. <laughs> Burn magic. I just rolled an 18 with athletics for a 26. As Gurn is completing these skillful swings of this massive weapon, he swings it straight upward and leaps at the same time into a forward flip and slams the maul into the ground. Anybody standing within 10 feet of Gurn needs to make a dexterity saving throw. I imagine I didn't move fast enough, so I'm going to roll a dexterity saving throw. I got a 25. I, I'm assuming I'm close enough. I got a 24. Okay. I got a 13. Got an 8. Alright, give me two seconds while I double check something. I got a rock. I'm gonna get hit with a fucking rock. <laughs> okay. Uh Celine, what did you roll? A thirteen. Okay. Shatton and Crystal. You are both reactive enough to jump backwards five feet just before the moment of impact as you feel like something really bad may happen with this Gurn magic. Selene and Vice, you are not as quick on your feet. And as soon as the mall impacts the ground, in a 10-foot radius around the impact zone, the earth churns and tosses and you are both knocked prone. Okay. And as you look down, the moss-covered earth has been torn apart, revealing stone and dirt. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, that's a good description. I can't. I can't do it. Oh. Oh, God. Gurn! <laughs> you gotta be more careful with that. <laughs> that really hurt. The sky is beautiful. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's quite lovely. <laughs> Gurn. No, no, what that is. What? Gurn's just astound. He's actually kind of shaking a little bit from an adrenaline rush because he has no idea as to what he just did but he felt something don't worry we felt it too <laughs> yeah <laughs> um i'm going to slowly get up and kind of brush the dirt off my clothes a little bit moss you're about half of your way back to camp when you hear a massive impact to the ground and you can still feel the tremors in the earth as you walk back to the camp you're somewhat familiar with these tremors so you have a feeling you know what it is 
but you do quicken your pace to return to camp. Kate is just going to hear in her head, uh, Gurn? Yes, what he calls Gurn magic. Yep. I thought maybe. You hear a light chuckle in your head. I'll just make my way into the camp. How many fish did I get? If any. <laughs> uh, well, you were fishing for a good hour, hour and a half. You probably caught about three. Okay. The The lake is well stocked, and you're a proficient fisher. Fisherman. Fisher turtle. But it wasn't enough time to get, like, a lot. But I'd say yeah. you've got, like, three good-sized fish. All right. Three fish worth keeping. Fair enough. When I get near Kata, I'll toss one up in the air for her. Oh, she catches it deftly. And I'll bring the other two over to the fire and look at the crater in the ground. Did that affect the fire? <laughs> Gurn, how close were you to the fire when you did this? I would say I stepped to the side. And given the space it takes me to do that somersault, I would have been probably about 10 feet away. Yeah, so it, it would have been on the edge of it. Yeah, the, 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 the fire's done for. It's currently sitting in a crevice of churned earth. Smoking, but otherwise demolished. Vice is still laying on his back looking up at the sky. Alright, Mossel. Really, oh, okay. Mossel clean the fish. Um, does he know if these fish are edible raw? Roll survival. You're a proficient fisherman, but not yeah. of this lake. Uh, 17. <clears throat> you believe they are. Okay. They seem similar enough to certain other species you've caught in your past. Alright, so I'll try some of it just to see if... And then, being pretty sure, I'll eat some and leave the rest there for everybody else. Okay. There's enough remaining fish to feed maybe three other party members, but not everybody. That will help herself to a fish. Yeah, I kind of figured. Gurn had deer. I'm okay. You all hear and see as Kata stands up and begins kind of cautiously walking towards the group, sniffing at the fish on the ground. And seeing nobody else go for it, she lunges and eats the remaining fish. Muscle just pet her. And you hear a familiar <clears throat> low purr come from her large reptilian body. <clears throat> then muscles start taking down the tents. All right. Vice, are you remaining on the ground while camp is being packed up? 
for a while, yeah. Okay, so you all have to kind of step around Vice as he has accepted his fate as being part of the Earth. And Vice. Over the, next, over the course of the next 30 or so minutes, you do manage to pack up camp, get the tents back into the back of bag of holding, and with the exception of Vice, just about everybody is ready to go. Garn grabs onto Vice by the shirt and picks him up and plants him on his feet. Vice would have gotten up like 15 minutes ago. He spent most of that time on the ground, but not all of it. Alright. I think it's funnier if Gurn just hoisted you up. Again. I don't need to get my clothing retailored because there's Gurn size like Gurn fist stretch marks in it. Was fair. All right. Are we ready to begin today's travel? Yes. Yeah. All right. Whomever is helming this journey, most likely Gurn, thanks to his features, please roll survival. It's going to be a 13. During the next leg of your travel the forest seems to get denser the trees closer and closer together until the canopy almost completely blocks out the sun there is still plenty of light through what amount can happen to peek through the foliage but you find it more and more difficult to discern where the actual path is that you need to be following as you continue heading north the path all but disappears as I continue to draw lines where they're not supposed to be. Nope, wrong side. Over here. The familiar churning of the waters, the gentle lapping of the lake shore that for most of this trip you could hear as the path followed along the coastline of the lake, that sound begins to disappear and you hear nothing but the sounds of the forest and the various animals within it. As the forest grows thicker and darker, you have difficulty discerning where the actual path is, and you feel that you are following the correct direction, but you're not entirely sure where. As you continue to walk forward, I need everyone to roll a perception check. Nineteen. Seventeen. Eighteen. Eighteen. Seven. And Moss loves these perception checks. A natural one for a six. Okay. Everybody but Gurn and Moss. As you continue to walk forward, you feel a pulse emanate through the air. In just an instant, it waves over you, but it is the faintest pulse like a puff of wind and the slightest pull towards the ground, if only for a moment, and it disappears. As you refocus your senses after this small pulse, you notice that the sounds of the forest have shifted. The animals sound just a little bit different, a little bit off. You look around at the foliage, the coloration of the leaves has changed. 
from greens and oranges to sharper greens and sharper oranges and you see bits of red foliage mixed in and bits of pink foliage mixed in and you look down at the ground and the ground has a strange shimmering mixture of greens and browns within the detritus that makes up the floor of the forest everything just seems off it seems sharper but at the same time as you look around it's as if you are looking through the space above a campfire as the heat distorts the light waves and makes everything look just a little wavy as if whatever you are standing amongst is an illusion but you step hard on the ground and it's real you look when you walk over to a tree and you touch it and it's real something is off here but you can't be certain what it is as you cautiously step forward you begin to hear loud thuds from a from ahead of you and you notice a clearing at the center of the clearing stands a giant tree surrounded by smaller trees with red foliage and walking around the trees are 20 foot tall deer grazing on the red foliage around this centralized tree of this clearing oh that that could feed us for a while. I... I'm like... It's kind of weird, though. I have never seen deer like this before. And I've seen many deer. Uh, you think they're friendly? Uh, I'm not sure. They're probably wild animals, so I'd say no. They're like, like huge. Do you like really want to know if they're not friendly? I'd prefer not to know. Gurn wants to eat its heart. I think we should leave them alone. But moss, turtles do. <laughs> okay. So it's your favorite. <clears throat> but there's three of those things, and they could pretty much just kill any of us on a whim. Uh, DM, do these yes. deer have the antlers? Are they all are they all bucks or? They all have antlers. I mean, I know I can sneak past them. What are you guys going to do? I'm more curious about what just happened. Don't you notice that everything's more vibrant in color all of a sudden? Yeah, like, it's all bright. Yeah. I want to know what happened with that. 
yeah, like, less concerned so about the deer. Weird. It is. Maybe the seasons changed that quickly. Um, like, I don't know if like it works like that. I don't think it works like that either. Pretty sure, actually. I know that doesn't work like that. Not that quickly. I mean. Then how does it work? Seasons take time to change. They don't just poof. Everything's different now. It doesn't happen that quickly. Um, Vice, we're getting closer to your hometown. Do you have any idea what's going on? DM, history check. <laughs> Go right ahead. That's unfortunate. I I rolled a two. Oh God. In total. You are entirely unfamiliar with this section of woods. Granted, you be didn't on. venture very far during your time in Sheridan, but even the trees here are foreign. Completely honest with you, Himmos. I have no fucking clue what's happening. I still think it's probably a good idea to just try and avoid them. Like, go around the clearing in the woods. I think that might be best. <laughs> for safety's sake. Yeah, like, that sounds like a good idea. At about this time, the large deer on the western side, as you have all been talking, the deer have been grazing on these trees and slowly circling the large tree at the center. The one on the western side happens to look over and sees Kada and lets out a loud squeal and begins rushing towards you. Oh dear. Oh dear. Uh, and Shatton dies of a heart attack. How quickly can I cast Spike Growth? All right. <laughs> Everybody roll for initiative. I guess that's a no. <laughs> Crit. You, you you will all wait until I call for the order. <laughs> Jesus, you know how this works. Damn shot. I got a 28. You people. Sorry. <laughs> I don't think I've ever gotten a really, really super high initiative like that before. All right. Apparently, 30 to 25. 28. 25 to 20. 24. 22. 20 to 15. 16. 15. 15 to 10. 10. 10 to 0. And Kata got a 2. All right. First in the initiative order is Shatten. As you watch as this giant, 20-foot-tall deer lets out a loud squeal 
and begins rushing in the direction of Kada. Okay. I'm going to check something real quick. I have an ideas. Uh-huh. Uh, trying to think here. Here we go. Is it an idea? It's an idea. Uh, the psychic link, is that a bonus action? It doesn't really say in the descriptor. Your psychic link. It should say what it costs to use it. The psionic die. Nope, no action. Quite. Oh, that's descendant. As an action. Oh, as an action. Okay. Choose one or more creatures you can see up to a number. Blah 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 blah. It burns your action to do so. You are still maintained. No. No, this is midday. Your connection with Gurn would be lost. Yeah. She's going to try to establish a psychic link and scream into its head to stop. If it doesn't disconnect, it lasts three hours. In what language? Oh. Let's see here. Uh, hmm, Common. Okay, go ahead and roll persuasion. Actually, intimidation. Okay. Dirty 20. Okay. Anything else for your turn? Um, bonus action. No, oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to uh, move behind Kata. And then uh, that should be it. Okay. Taking us to Gurn. Upon seeing Shat do this, does the deer react in any way? Or is it still barreling forward? As far as you can tell, it's still barreling forward. Alright. However, this all happens in the same moment, so you don't know what's going on with the giant deer yet. Yep. Gurn is going to put himself here. And he is going to pull out his glaive that has a freshly bronze-plated skull attached to the pommel. Okay. Did you use your bonus action to dash to get there? Uh, not... No. Where were you originally? Like, right behind Moss. Like, right here. You have 40 feet of movement? Yep. So eight hexes? Yep. Okay. I think I was right there. Just about. My my objective is to, as this thing's charging across, um, I'm going to ready an attack once it's in my range with Glaive being a reach weapon. And I'm going to try and cleave one of its legs as it's coming across, if it gets in range. All right, so you're holding an attack action for when it gets in range of your glaive. Yep. Anything else? And I am going to rage as well. Okay. Anything else for your turn? I believe that expends everything. That will be the end of my turn. 
All right. Vice, you're up. Vice is going to take a step to his side, reach over, grab Crystal and Celine, and cast Invisibility at third level, making them both turn invisible and look at them and go, move. And he is going to run another 25 feet to here. And that will expend his turn. Okay. So the three of you are now invisible? Uh, he is not just invisible. Just the girls? Just them. Just them. Okay, I'll take that off you then. All right, bringing us to Crystal. You look down and you cannot see your hands or feet. You have been turned completely invisible and Vice has just had called to you before running off to move. Crystal is going to move um, to right here. And am I able to still like cast spells while invisible? Does that affect it at all? Do you have an invisibility spell within your midst, within your uh, collection? No. Then... Actually, you know what? You would know, thanks to your uh, focus of studies, um, that casting a spell would cancel out your invisibility. Alright, so uh, I'll end my turn then. Okay. Just a movement. Bring us to Celine. Um, I'm going to cancel my visibility by casting the spell. Okay. Appreciate the thought, but I'm going to cancel it. It's your call. What are we going with? Entangle. Entangle. All right. And what are the specifics on that spell? So the range is 90 feet. Okay. It's well um, within range. It's up to a minute. And basically, it is a 20-foot square starting from a point within range. And for the duration, these plants turn the ground into an area into difficult terrain. A creature in the area, when you cast a spell, must defeat on a strength saving throw or be restrained by an entangling plant until the spell ends. All right. Are you centering this in or around the massive elk? Yes. Okay. I'm going to draw a quick square. Are you centering it on the elk itself? around it okay so there's your 20 foot square approximately and strength saving throw it rolled uh 12 that's a fail all right so it is restrained yes the creature is let's see is restrained until the spell ends and plants will away is what it says okay you can use an action to make a strength against your spell to see is what it right. says right uh, on its turn it can burn its action to repeat the save to see if it can free itself and otherwise that area until you drop concentration is considered difficult terrain alright anything else for your turn um I'm gonna move over here where Vice and Crystal are. Just to get out of the way. Well, where Vice is. You don't see Crystal. Well, yeah, that's true. Okay. 
All right, bringing us to the humongous 20 foot tall deer. The one that had originally been charging at you. As it approaches, Shatten kind of runs a little bit forward towards it, dares at it real hard, and then runs behind Kada. Then Gurn runs forward, wielding Glaive, and just points it forward and roars out at it. At the same moment, this creature reaches this point, and these things have happened. Vines start growing from the ground around its ankles and hold it in place. At about the same time, it rears up and squeals loudly, as if spooked by something. But unable to properly catch itself thanks to its restraint, it falls on its side, prone. And is otherwise unable to move. The other two in the area, however, having heard this announcement, begin rushing towards the rest of you. This one is going to rush straight down towards you, Gurn, which gives you your triggering attack. Right. And that is a 25 to hit. Uh, 25 is a hit. Go ahead and roll damage. That is 16 damage. Okay. So this deer lets out a loud squeal as your glaive slices into its calf muscles. The other one that had been behind the tree initially makes a running dash towards you and ends its turn right between the initial two. Bring us to Moss. Okay. Moss is going to <clears throat> cast Moonbeam right between the two of them. Catching them both. Which two? There's three. Oh, sorry. The two that aren't entangled. Okay. And they need to roll con saves? Yep. The one on the left rolled a 16. The one on the right rolled a 6. Alright, so the 6 fails. Okay. afraid of that uh two points of radiant damage <laughs> oh so the other one takes one yep okay the thin strand of moonlight shines down on the area not quite able to penetrate whatever area you guys are in a very thin strand of moonlight shines down and begins burning at the flesh of these creatures you're not quite sure what happened here, Moss, but it's your spell. It doesn't seem to have the reach it's supposed to here. That's just my way of flavoring your terrible damage roll. Yeah. And then I will yeah. move 30 feet to there. Okay. And for my bonus action, I am going to pull my javelin out and stab him with it. 
as an offhand weapon? Yep. Okay. Go ahead and roll to attack. Nineteen. Nineteen's a hit. Go ahead and roll damage. Three. Seven piercing and four cold damage. And you take two points of cold damage as well as the burst of cold energy expunged by this spear reaches into your hand as you are still wielding the weapon when it goes off. Okay. Anything else for your turn? Nope, that'll do it. All right, bringing us to Kata. Kata will move. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 55 feet to here. And attack him twice. Okay. First one is going to be a nine to hit, so that's the bite. Nine does not hit. As she lunges forward to bite down on one of the ankles, the deer just manages to lift its foot in time to miss the strike. And the second one will be a 17 to hit. A 17 hits. Okay. And that'll be seven points of bludgeoning. Ah, uh, ten points of bludgeoning damage, excuse me. Okay, from the tail? Yep. Okay. And that'll be it for Kata. Alright, bringing us to the top of the round. As you're all standing here, Shat, and you're preparing to make your next move, you hear the squealing, loud, ear-piercing shrieks coming from these animals. Beneath that, you hear and feel a low roar emanate through the ground, and it seems to be coming from the trees around you. Shannon, it is your turn. Uh, are, uh, I, I keep getting this confused. Prone targets only get advantage on against melee, correct? Yes. Not against range? Range has disadvantage against prone targets. Okay. So the elk that's in front of Moss, I'm going to throw uh, my dagger at my psychic dagger at it with a sharpshooter. Okay. And that is 21. 21's a hit. Okay, and I'm going to use sneak attack. Uh, where's my other die? There it is. Let's see here. Scott. Yeah, I've had better. Four. Ten. Twenty-four. Twenty-four. And... No. No, sorry. Ten. Fourteen. Twenty-four. Uh, twenty-nine points psychic damage. Okay. Then I'm going to attempt to 
use my bonus action to throw a second, uh, my second psychic dagger. Okay. And that's a crit. Okay, you don't even have to roll damage. It has one hit point left. As that, as that deer is struck by your small ethereal carrot, it rears back and falls with a loud thud, earth and grass just thrown in every direction as it collapses to the ground. Okay. Anything else for your turn? She is going to make a move. Five. Six. She's going to move up next to Gurn. Okay. And that'll end your turn? Yes. All right. Bring us to Gurn. Gurn is going to drop his glaive and pull stick out and proceed to attack. He is going to try and concentrate his attack on uh, the joint in the front leg. Try and uh, break something. Uh, first question, what did you do with Glaive? Did you drop it or sheath it? You dropped it. Okay, and you're going to Okay, you're gonna you're you're gonna aim for an ankle on this thing, uh, like knee. Okay, you could just about reach that. Go ahead and roll the attack. The first one is a sixteen to hit. Just hits. And I am going to attack again for a 22 to hit. Also hits. For a total of 26 damage. All right. So as you swing stick forward, crashing into this creature's knee, you hear the bones shatter. It drops down onto the shattered knee, exposing its head, and in one swoop, you bring the maul up into its chin, breaking the jaw and nearly tearing it off, and the creature collapses next to you, bleeding. Anything else for your turn? I am going to bonus action dash. Well, I guess I haven't moved. I wouldn't have to bonus action dash, right? No, you haven't moved yet. All right. Well, I'm not going to dash then. I'm going to move over to here. Okay. The deer is prone, correct? Yes. I am going to use a bonus action to grapple the deer. Do you have a feature that allows you to grapple as a bonus action? I'm fairly certain all grapple checks are actions. I do not, then. Okay. All right. Not to mention this creature is five times, six, ten. So it's fucking huge. Grappling it is... Yeah. I actually got a quick question. Is that... Worth grappling if it's restrained by vines right now? It is restrained and grapple are two different things. 
Oh, okay. Uh, Garn is gonna end his turn. Okay. Bringing us to Vice. DM, you described that Shatten could hear all of you growling. Okay. And that was just an announcement for the beginning of the turn order. And you said that it came from the woods around us? It came from all, it, it seemed to have emanated from all of the trees around you. Vice doesn't want to fight this. Vice doesn't want this fight. Okay. He's doing nothing. He's end turn. All right. All right. At this point, you all hear that rumble within the trees once more, and you begin to hear the rustling of the woods. You you, you begin to hear rustling within the woods on the opposite side of this clearing, and you see strange humanoid-shaped trees begin to march out wielding sharpened sticks in their wooden hands as they begin to march forward towards all of you. Crystal, it's your turn. I'm assuming they're not friendly seeming. You know, I'm just seeing sharp as sticks um here's to be the point gonna, <laughs> gonna cancel out the uh, invisibility and on the deer I'm going to use a firebolt okay go ahead and roll to attack uh 27 27 is a hit uh, hold on. Roll at disadvantage. That is a ranged attack against a prone target. All right. Uh, 18. Still hits. Go ahead and roll damage. All right. 12. 12 points of fire damage? Yep. All right. Anything else for your turn? That'll be it. As crystal suddenly manifests next to you, Celine, and releases a small beam of fire from her hand. It is now your turn. Um, I can see the humanoid tree creatures, right? Yes, they are distant. They are on the opposite side of the clearing, but you have now seen them walk out of the woods. Alright, I'm going to um, untangle the elk. So you're going to dismiss the uh, Entangle spell? Yes. Okay. And I'm going to cast Spike Growth right here. Right. I can get it to do it. Right there. Right there? Right there. At at your maximum range? No, it's 150 feet. Oh. That's only 120. Jesus, that spell goes for a far... It's distant. Okay, uh, what is the radius of the spell? That is a 20-foot radius. Circle, square, sphere, what? Sphere. Sphere. So 20-foot radius sphere. Approximately that large. Centered at about there. Yes. Okay. At what level did you cast that? Or does it matter? Does spike growth have 
no, it does not have other levels. Okay. It was at the level it's okay. at, which is yeah. Um, that is all I'm going to do for my turn right now. All right, so Gurn, you will actually watch as the vines wrapping around the elk you just walked up to suddenly pull back into the earth and you hear rumbling off to your northwest and you look over and the earth seems to be turning a bit in that area. It's now the elk's turn, who's going to expend half of his movement to stand up and he is going to swing his head down, attempting to pierce Gurn with his antlers with a 14 to hit. It does not hit. Alright, as he tries to swing down, you definitely dodge to the side. And that will actually end its turn, bringing us to Moss. Moss is going to back 5, 10, 15, 20 feet to here. And because Kaden knows what I'm thinking... He's going to move 50 feet to right behind me. Okay. And yeah, I am going to end my turn with that because something's not right here and I don't like it. Okay. And I assume you incorporated Kata's turn into that as well with her movement. Yep. Okay. Bring us to the top of the turn order with Shatten. Okay. How far away is the wood line? Because I see the the tree canopy here. But how far is like the actual wood line? Where do you see the trunk? Okay. Hmm. Shatten is going to move up next to Gurn. Oh, oh, hold on. It's still alive. One, two, three. He's going to move and bonus action dash. Get to the other side of the uh, the elk. Okay. And she is going to uh, stab it with her psychic knife. All right. Go ahead and roll an advantage. That will be 22. 22 is a hit. points of psychic damage. Alright. The creature yells, it lets out another loud squeal but remains standing. I think that's it for my turn. Yep. Bringing us to Gurn. Gurn is going to swing stick. How uh, how ragged does this thing look? Does it look? It looks pretty ragged. It's not actively bleeding out so much, but it definitely looks weak. Huh. Is its head still low from trying to attack me? Not anymore. Uh-huh. All right. Gurn's going to swing into its sternum. 
with a stick, going for its okay. chest cavity. Go ahead and roll the attack. Plus nine for an 18. 18's a hit. Uh, ten. 12 damage. Uh, yeah. All right. 12. Why don't you go ahead and describe for me how you kill the final elk? So, Gurn facing the elk in one direction with stick right hand towards the base of stick left hand up towards the neck of stick swings it around in front of him to the right carrying himself into a circle and as he does so he slides his left hand down the shaft towards the bottom of stick so that the head of the maul is furthest point away from him. And he's kind of leaned back himself and he is swinging this directly into the cavity, the chest cavity of this deer. And as it impacts, the head of the maul just buries itself in and you hear a crack snap as the chest of this deer is just demolished and the head of the mall is stuck in okay anything else for your turn uh, Garn is going to do whatever the hell he can to grab onto the shaft of this and pull stick out of the chest that's alright all he's going to do for the rest of this turn. Vice, you're up. Seeing the enemies uh, emerge from the tree line to the north. Um, can't see the ones on the north, east. We play with a delay turn rule and drop down in the initiative slot. You want to drop your initiative? Yeah, drop uh, if you can drop me down an initiative slot. Okay, he's gonna, where are you going? He's gonna hold turn until uh, until the enemies move, and then he'll take action. So we'll drop you to initiative nineteen, just to uh, justify that a bit. All right, bringing us to the woodland creatures. When the final elk hits the ground. And you hear the crunch of bone as stick collides and penetrates through the flesh. You hear another low rumble come from the trees around you. And those of you who are watching the humanoid looking tree things at the opposite end of this meadow, they all turn and run towards whatever tree is closest to them. Some of them reappear as they have run into the shadows of the trees they reappear right next to trees closer to you seemingly having walked into the trunks and out of the trunks of other trees and have now begun to surround you 
Vice, it is now your turn. Uh, Vice is going to cast a fourth le- or a third level Scorching Ray. Um, okay. Two beams apiece to the uh, two westernmost targets. Two each? Two apiece, yep. Okay, go ahead and roll to attack. Um, that'll be... Uh, lowest of those is a 15, so 15 and 23 on one. 15 does not hit. How about, how about a 16 and a dirty 20 on the other? 16 does not hit, so you have one hit each. Oof. Southernmost one takes seven points fire. Northern takes five. So the first one was seven? Correct. And the second was five. You watch as with each creature, as your beams of fire approach them, they both raise. They, they, they seem to grab their own chests, pull them off, and hold up a shield of solid bark. And each of them seem to do this in unison as if they are sharing the same mind. The first beam that races towards them is kind of deflected sideways. But the second one ends up hitting them square in the chest and you watch as their wooden innards scorch and smoke and you can see embers moving through. And you feel as if your your attack has dealt more damage than you expected. Anything else for your turn? End turn. All right. Bringing us to Crystal. So, going to... That's not what I was trying to do. Going to just move to right here. And I'm going to use Fireball onto... uh, that enemy. Okay, go ahead and roll the attack. 21. 21's a hit. Go ahead and roll damage. 5. Alright. And much like the beams of fire that Vice had fired forward, your small moat of fire seems to penetrate into the wooden body of this creature and it smolders more than you might have expected from that impact. Anything else for your turn? That'll be it. Okay. Bring us to Celine. Um, so I have two questions. Did they first question is did they pass my spike growth? Nope. And second of all, can I move spike growth? I believe spike growth is stuck where you cast it. Alright, then I'm gonna cancel spike growth then. All right, spike growth disappears. And my next question was, um, so I'm going to wild shape. Okay. Um, into a bear. What was the stat block again? Uh, was- at this moment, you are using brown. It was brown. Okay. I wanted to double check on that because I couldn't remember which one. Okay. Um 
So I will. Give me a second here. This. Okay, I've had snap block up. Um, I am going to move away from Vice. Yep. Right there. <laughs> um, and then I'm going to transform into a bear. Okay. So you burn your bonus action in a wild shape to transform. Vice, you see as Celine runs out from behind you towards the wooden humanoid and her body shifts into a large brown, well, into a large bear with silvery purple fur. Anything else for your turn, Celine? I moved, hold on, let me check my movement speed real quick. I moved 20 feet. So you've used 20 feet of movement so far, and that was in your drow form. And then you wild shaped. So whatever the movement speed of the bear is, subtract 20 feet from that, and that's what you have remaining. I just have another 20 feet then. Okay. Um, that's all I'm going to do for the moment. I'm just going to prepare myself for an attack. Okay. <clears throat> like, are you holding action to attack, or are you just ending your turn? Yeah, I'm going to hold action. All right. So you're going to hold an attack action in case something gets within range. Yes. All right. Bringing us to Moss. Okay. <clears throat> Moss is just going to uh, yell out, Stop! They attacked us. So we really don't who? want them. <laughs> uh, the who creatures. Okay. Uh we don't want to hurt you, too. All right, uh, go ahead and roll persuasion. Uh, 19. All right. Anything else for your turn? Nope. All right. And will Kata be doing anything this turn? Uh, Kata's going to hold her action if we're attacked. All right, she's defensively standing near you. Bring us to the top of the turn order with Shatten. She is going to throw her psychic dagger at the one directly in front of her. And is going to be sharpshooter. Okay. Go ahead and roll the attack. Uh, 22. Okay. That's a hit. Go ahead and roll damage. Yep. Uh, no, no sneak attack of this one. Nope. That is up three. 18 points of psychic damage. Okay. And I'm going to throw my second one as my bonus. Yep. And that will be a nine. Does not hit. Nine. Anything else for your turn? I can't think of uh, anything else. <clears throat> All right, taking us to Gurn. Gurn is going to run back over to Glaive, grab it up in his free hand, okay. holding stick in one hand, 
And he is going to sheath it on his back. Okay. Xander, refresh me. What does it cost to uh, stow a weapon? I believe it's a bonus action. We'll call it a bonus action. Alright. And I moved... Can I can I go over the deer since they are dead? They are huge. It will cost a movement penalty to try to move over the deer. Alright. I'll just go back to here. Okay. And uh, I do not have a bonus action, so that will end my turn. Alright. Bringing us to the woodland humanoids. We're going to go left group to right group. So the ones that are smoldering. Selene, Vice, and Crystal, these two are the ones that you were focusing on. You watch as the smoke emanating from their chests seems to just <clears throat> seems to stop as vines kind of come up from the ground, wrap around their legs, go up to their chests, and seal the wounds within their chests. Shatten, the one that you had hit with your psychic dagger, while it seems staggered at first, hardens its resolve and stands up a bit straighter. So, one, two, three, four, five. This one's going to run right up to you, Selene. And in your bear form, you have a held action, so you that triggers your held action to attack. The first one. All right. That would be uh, an 11. Uh, 11 does not hit. <clears throat> that one is going to pull. So in one arm, it had ripped off its chest to create a shield. The other arm seems to swell in size into what looks like a small log, and it swings this at you twice. <clears throat> Four. Ah, I lost my page. There you are. A 14 to hit. That's a hit. And a 23 to hit. That's also a hit. All right. Really? Fucking hell, I don't have that many D4s. Give me a second. How many D4s do you have? I have D4s if you need them. I got a whole bunch. Dealing 26 points of force damage. Okay. Does the bear have that many hit points? It has 34 All right, points. So you're, you're, so you're still in your bear form. The other yeah, one in your barely. region, the other one in your region moves forward, but isn't able, isn't quite able to reach you. Actually, it's going to use its action to dash towards Crystal. But can't quite reach her. All right, to the north are going to focus on Shatten. Each of them, same as before, <clears throat> same as described before, one of their arms kind of swells and hardens into a log, and they each take two swings at you. The first one 
rolls an 11 and a 19. The 19 hits. And the other creature rolls a 17 and a 15. The 17 hits. So they each get one hit on you. Dealing a total of... Thirty points of force damage. Ooh. And the other two rush forward. Use a bon an action to dash. Six, but can't quite reach anybody. Bringing us to Vice. Can I see that Celine looks severely injured? You would see that she has been significantly pummeled in her bear form. Makes this decision tricky. Unfortunately, Vice has a conscience. Ah. He was going to cast Ball of Fuck You, but he has a conscience, so he won't. Ah. Vice is going to take two steps forward and cast another Scorching Ray at third level. Two apiece. Okay. 18's the highest. Eighteen's the highest? On the one to the west, yeah. 18 hits. And 17's the lowest on the uh, one on the east. Okay. 17 does not hit. Okay, cool. The other one was 25. That'll hit. Okay, so once again, one hit each. Six. Five. Alright, so 12 and 10. And then bonus action, burn sorceries, regenerate a third. Okay. Anything else and, for your turn? End turn. All right, bring us to Crystal. Uh, so at the one directly in front of her, going to use a thunderclap. Uh, what is the range on thunderclap? It says five feet, and then it says it could be heard from a hundred feet. So the would creature, that reach? Creature is not within five feet of you. Okay. Could I do a thunder wave instead then? Could do thunder wave instead, or you could step forward five feet and use thunderclap. You know what? That that works even better. I'm gonna move and then use thunderclap at it. Okay. Do I need to do anything, or is that an attack roll? Uh, each creature within range must succeed a constitution saving throw or take uh, thunder damage. Okay, its con save is a 21. That passes. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. Any effect on a pass or is it, is it nothing? Nothing. Doesn't say okay. anything. Anything else for your turn? Uh, bonus action. Can I see that uh, Celine is like hurt? You can see that her bear form is 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 bludgeoned. Mm -hmm. Could I use a healing word as a bonus action? It is a bonus action spell, and I do not follow the rule of one spell per turn. All right. Uh, nine points. All right. Celine heals nine points. Anything else? That'll be it for my turn. 
All right. Celine. Give us a growl. Uh, right. Uh, right. <laughs> nice. Is there an X to be on the end of that? No, it's just a grr. <laughs> um, feeling a little bit better. Thank you, Crystal. I'm going to take... Uh, I'm going to swing my claws at the tree, whatever that is. Okay. Oh. Go ahead and roll. That is a 16. <clears throat> 16 does not hit. I get that multi-attack though, right? Does it say that the bear has a multi-attack? Yes. Then yes, you wanted, attack more than once. I just want to double check that. Yep. So on your first swing, it raises its shield and your claws glance off the wooden bark. I got an 18 for my second. 18 just hits. Go ahead and roll damage. So as you swing your second claw down, it can't get its shield up in time and you rake across its chest. That is 14 points of damage. <clears throat> what is the damage type? Oh, I was going to use my claws again. Sorry. Right, but what does it say? What is the damage type on your claws? Oh, it's slashing. Okay. All right. So as your second as your second arm swings down and rakes across its chest, you take chunks of wood with it, tearing through the vines that had grown over it. Anything else for your turn? Uh I'm going to take a couple steps back. As you do, it is going to take an attack of opportunity against you. Oh shit, I forgot about that. Uh but it's an eleven to hit. That just meets. Ah. Okay. Dealing. Sixteen points of force damage. Um, I only have one point left. Does that mean I just revert back to my normal form? Mm, one point left in your bear form? Yes. Then you're still a bear at one hit point. Okay. All right, and that'll end your turn? Yes. Okay. Moss, you're up. It would seem that your plea for a ceasefire did not get through. All right. I am going to move my moonbeam 60 feet to here. I'm just going to give you a nice little circle for the moonbeam and you're placing it directly on the tree in the middle yep okay give me two seconds what's the save con 25 oh that definitely saved okay uh 16 total so half of that Okay. As you move your moonbeam over to the tree at the middle of this field, the tree shakes. 
the sides of the trunk split apart and begin to raise. And a face forms at the front of the tree. And it looks down at you, scowling, as that thin sliver of moonlight shines down atop its canopy. Anything else for your turn? I'm going to look up at that thing and just can can we stop this and I'll drop Moonbeam okay see if I can select yay I can select just that without deleting my my token alright and that'll end your turn yep alright bringing us to the tree with a face it wrenches its feet from the earth stepping forward pushing the red foliaged trees out of its way roll a persuasion check 21 interesting the tree looks down at you with a stern look on its face and begins muttering something in a language. Does anybody here understand Sylvan? Uh, no. No. Badly, no. Garn and Vice, do you speak Sylvan? Okay. None of you understand this, but in a loud, booming voice, it utters a few words, and you look to the tree humanoids that have been surrounding you, and they appear to lower their shields. For the moment, initiative is suspended. The tree looks to you, Moss. Why should we stop when you attacked our caretakers? It speaks to you in common, in a deep, thunderous voice that echoes amongst the trees around you. We didn't want to. We were planning on going around. But one of them started running at us. In our attempts you, to stop that one, the other two came too. You brought a predator amongst our midst. I, it's not going to hurt you, and if you'd like, I can just make it go away I am not threatened but our caretakers were I'm very sorry about that we didn't even know that you guys were here how could you not know that we were here this is our grove you're just passing through the woods the giant tree takes another few steps forward as it does, the smaller tree humanoids step to its side, making a path for it. As it steps forward, it tries to carefully step aside around the elk and avoiding stepping on you, Shatten. As it begins to walk around Shatten and Gurn, Will you do anything in this moment or let it pass? She's just going to look up and follow it with her eyes, just not daring to move. 
Um, seeing how initiative suspended for the moment, can I transform back into my normal form and out of my bear form? In this moment, you can dismiss your wild shape. Gurn, okay. will you be doing anything as do this that. creature begins to walk past you? Gurn is going to start to backpedal and kind of try and keep in front of him and the rest of the party. Okay. This creature rounds around the giant elk, occasionally glancing down at you, Gurn, with a slight smirk on his face. And he walks to stand directly in front of Moss. This giant being standing at the tip of its canopy, 50 feet tall, seems to crouch down, burying its roots into the earth to get closer to you, Moss. And yet you are still having to crane your neck as its face is still about 20 feet over your head. The mouth on this tree is large enough that it could swallow you whole. And it stares at you with hollow eyes. What is your reason for being here? We are passing through the woods to get to the next town over. There are no towns here. No one passes through this grove. But we're looking for a place called Sheridan, and according to the maps I have, it's through this <clears throat> through this woods was the quickest way. I have roamed these forests for thousands of years. Not once has there been a town within a hundred miles of this point. That's very concerning. I have no idea where we are, then. Let me see your maps. Uh, Moss will pull out the atlas and flip to the page where he thinks you they hold are. Up, you, you hold up the map. You hold up the atlas and your, in, in your hand-drawn map, and you kind of present them to this creature. And mind you, your, your books and your map, they're not even big enough to take up the space of one of this creature's eye sockets. And it stares down with empty eyes, looking at your pieces of paper. And, a, and its mouth kind of twists into a look of concern. I do not know what these maps are showing. This is not my domain. Whatever this is, is not here. Has this happened before? You are the first travelers to have walked these woods in nearly 20 years. Do you know how they got out? I suppose they walked. I did not follow them. Celine, while this conversation is going around, going on, you look around you and you're realizing that even the fauna in this area, the occasional small rodent or bird, looks nothing 
like the creatures you know from your forest, or even the creatures that you've seen in the forest you guys have been traveling in for the past few days. I mean, I kind of guessed that with everything being different colors, I kind of guessed that everything would be different. Uh, I'm just, I'm a little confused because these maps are where we were and where we were going and now apparently we're like on a different plane of existence entirely. I'm not sure what you mean by plane of existence. At the well, mention of a plane of existence, can Vice cast Blink? You want to cast Blink? Mm-hmm. Read for me the exact description on that spell, please. <clears throat> um, Full spell card, here you go. Uh, roll a d20 at the end of each of your turns for the duration of the spell. On a roll of 11 or higher, you vanish from your current plane of existence and appear on the ethereal plane. At the start of your next turn, when the spell ends, you are on the if you're on the ethereal plane, you return to an un unoccupied space of your choice that you can see within 10 feet of the space you vanished from. Um, blah, blah, blah. Moving through, going over movement. Uh, when on the ethereal plane, you can see and hear the plane you originated from, which is cast in shades of gray. You can't see anything, uh, anything there more than 60 feet away. You can only affect... I got what I needed. ...and be affected. And then... It fails if I'm if I'm on the ethereal plane. Go ahead and do it. Okay. Not gonna happen that second. Six seconds pass and and I blink. When you blink, you find yourself in the ethereal plane, looking down into the plane of existence you were just in, with Moss conversing with this giant tree. All of you confused as to where the hell you are. But as you look at this, as you, it's, you know, third person, omnipotent view of this plane, something shifts. It flickers. It's, it's not right. Something's not holding this together. When you blink back you find yourself back with moss and the tree and standing arcana check i want to see if arcana. i can understand if i'm like what the fuck just happened in that little fracture okay go ahead and roll arcana crit 24 who has the blue crystals at this moment which ones were those again? Those are the divination crystals. That would be me. I have those. Okay. Vice. As you try to extend your magical awareness to try to figure out what the hell just happened? How did you end up here? What was that flicker you saw when you were on the ethereal plane? You feel a pulse of magic that you remember feeling... Every once in a while, when you were in Northam's Tower, late at night, when you knew he was studying in his office with behind a locked door, you'd feel a strange magical pulse. You feel this pulse again, and it seems to be coming from Celine's direction. 
you look over at her and you see that the satchel on her side is glowing blue. How far is the tree from Gurn? Uh, at the moment, you are basically standing at its, what would be its hips, because it buried its roots into the ground to get down to Moss's sort of size. Gurn's going to reach out and touch him, looking up at him. You see the entire canopy of this tree being shift as the face on its trunk looks at you and the empty eye sockets on its visage kind of crack and crunch into a curious look. If it had eyebrows, it would be raising them, but it does not make any moves against you. Um, can Gurn have dear heart? We would prefer you not try to take anything from our caretakers' bodies. They deserve a proper burial at this point. Gurn, no waste. But... Okay. Gurn puts his hand to his side. Sorry. The tree creature looks away from you and back at Moss. I do not know where you are from. And I do not know where you are going. But you'd best find your way quickly before you find the ire of less forgiving treants. I, uh, I appreciate that. Um, again, very sorry about your caretakers. Uh, we will try and figure out a way off of this place as quickly as we can. So, Vice blinked three more times in that duration. Yep. Uh, each time moving a little further from Celine. Do I still notice that the bag is glowing as I'm moving further away? What's strange to you is that when you are in the ethereal plane, while you look down at the plane from which you blinked, what you expect to be black and white, her satchel remains glowing blue. Um, I'm assuming we're all still in this plane. We haven't gotten out of here yet. No, you're, you're still here. Okay. Um, I'm going to go up to tree okay um how exactly do we get out of here i do not know how you got here all i remember is that we were walking and then we passed through some sort of haze and i don't know everything was different that's all I remember. I'm not exactly sure. I do not know of this haze that you speak of. Well, I, I'm not so much of it was a haze to begin with. I'm not sure exactly how to describe it. It's just, 
we pass through something and then end up here somehow. We just have to somehow get back to where we came. Vice, as you're standing here watching this interaction, Celine's voice begins to fade out. You see her mouth moving. You see her gesticulating. Her voice fades out. And you hear a voice in your head. A familiar voice. You hear Northam. Vice. Vice! Come back! Everything shifts. All of you see the world go hazy once again. And you find yourself standing in what Vice would recognize as the South Sheraton Forest. Only half a day's travel outside of the town. You no longer notice the blue glow from Celine's bag. And that is where we're going to end tonight's session. I took a point of stress. Yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as you said it was Northam's voice, I was like, all right, stress point. Gurn just wanted some fucking massive deer heart. <laughs> Come on. When, uh, when Shatten saw that big tree, she was rooted there in fear. You yeah. actually cannot help yourself, can you? <laughs> no, I can't. The the fucking puns, man. I'm going to start making so many I, sounds with I'm my mouth. I'm so disappointed by all the puns. Oh, they're great. <laughs> they're so great, though. That, that, that's why I'm disappointed. Because they are good. <laughs> y'all seem... Y'all look a little concerned. Are, are, are you okay? No. Oh, I'm no, great. Zandy oh, also fine. took... Zandy took like six points of stress because I'm like, first of all, uh, if if we're going to talk about this just for a second, first of all, I fucking saw like after the fishing village, I fucking knew that having Kata around always, always yeah. was going to become a problem. And then when it became a problem, I was like, all right, we need to fucking like actually run a combat where we try to play it intelligent. And then it didn't happen. I was like, oh my god, we're, we're fucking so far away from each other in this combat, too. It's crazy. <laughs> Is the recording schedule posted in the Discord for people to be able to see of all uh, permission levels? Uh, it will no. be eventually. I'm going to start putting it in the Town Herald channel uh, so that people can see what we are recording and on what nights. Um, that will also be where we will eventually, once the community grows, we'll be using that to start scheduling non-recording games so that people can try to, you know, they can jump in there, see what kind of game they want to join that doesn't fall on a Saturday. Saturday recordings require permission because they're recorded, they're official, that kind of thing. You know, there's, there's litigation involved, all that crap. So... Yeah, we'll we'll get there. The community needs to grow first, and you viewers are among the first of the community. Congratulations, you are now officially OG. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and we apologize. You guys. Yeah, we apologize so sincerely. Um. Yeah, no, that hasn't been posted yet. 
Hey, switching up on the spoons. That's the way to go. (laughs) I have an admission. I done goofed in the combat. I completely forgot about Uncanny Dodge. Yeah, well, you were kind of thrown into a different plane of reality, so it makes sense that you might have been a little frazzled. (laughs) Moonbeaming that tree could have gone horribly wrong. Yeah. That was a good guess. So... (sighs) Here's the thing. The little tree humanoids, uh, they suck. Known, known as wood woads, I believe is what they're called. They felt like mini gurns. Wood woads. <laughs> yeah. They're only a CR5, but there were six of them. And you guys had already expended a little bit of stuff dealing with the elks, which you thought were food. But they do have language. They only speak Sylvan. So your uh, Moss, your initial persuasion would never have gotten through to them. Yep. And it wasn't until you moved the moonbeam on the tree in the middle that you managed to truly awaken the treant, who does speak common, and that's the only reason you were able to talk to him, and you rolled damn high on your persuasion, so I was like, all right, at the very least I can suspend initiative, but if you fuck up, this is not going your way. Yeah, I figured. I almost threw a fireball at the two uh, wood fucks right next to the tree. Mm-hmm. Almost. And then I was like, I probably shouldn't light a big ass fucking tree on fire and just create a torch in the middle of this fucking grove. Well, considering then, so far trees and fire don't go well together, that would be a really bad idea. And then Celine had to go and get fucking hit by a tank load of damage. Otherwise, Vice would have casted a big-ass fireball, which would have hit her, too. But he would have been like, bah, fuck it. So here's the Save annoying him. thing about the Woodwodes. So they, they deal force damage, which is interesting. But they're magically imbued tree people, so why not? You'd think it'd be bludgeoning, but it's force. Okay. They get two hits per attack. Per, per action, it's two hits. Each hit does 4d4 plus 4 force damage. So if I landed two hits, that's 8d4. I've got a fuck ton of d6s, but I don't walk around with a satchel of caltrops. Why not? I'm a different kind of evil. Well, clearly not the kind that makes their enemies walk across caltrops. Like I said, a different kind of evil. Like bringing back a character you thought was dead for the past eight months i'm gonna go out on a limb here and, and say that that int had a possibility of killing us huh oh. the, the fucking woodwodes had a possibility of killing us yeah they also regain 10 hit points at the start of their turn if they're in contact with the ground yeah those fucking Not things it. alone could have killed us so like your your initial hits were decent but they recovered most, if not all, of those hit points at the start of their next turn. And the treant... Now, mind you, I didn't buff anything. But the so treant... Is- the treant would have been handleable if you guys were willing to deal with some friendly fire. Uh, fireball and such. Shut and take this seed, climb it, and jam it in its fucking hollow eye. Oh, it heals that. because it grows a tree in the tree. <laughs> I don't know. 
No. Let's hope. Oh, no. That that was going to be my move if things went horribly wrong. <laughs> See, Vice Vice needs to just learn that nobody's ever going to accept help from Vice. Tree pregnancy. And that he needs to head. not. He needs to not fucking use utility to help his allies. He needs to use utility to save his own ass. Um, <laughs> like, so I'm I'm glancing at the stream chat right now. It's a little weird. But uh, one of the questions that I can answer right now, and what's the deal with the tree dude not reading a map? Dude have GPS or something? Uh, that's <laughs> my troll. That's no, that that's that's fine. That's one of my trolls. So that's, that's fine. I'm going to treat that like a genuine question. If I didn't make it clear, the tree just didn't recognize the maps. He's not being just, just joking me, around. Oh, I don't care. <laughs> He's I just poking fun. I can poke like myself a sword in this community. Input. When it comes to reading maps, you got to give the guy a little bit of uh, latitude. No. Uh, no. Stop. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Stop. What the hell is it with you? Like, during a he... normal game, a normal recording, we get maybe four or five puns it's, we all groan it's that's the that's the end of it what now you've got a fucking audience and you're on fire <laughs> he wants a counter <laughs> if he wants a counter he should go to lowe's i don't want to sink my money into it i fucking yeah, hate it here. what would have oh happened if they ate the deer heart see oh, i would I, I would dis i would i would disconnect but then then you guys, the the wonderful the wonderful stream uh, community, wouldn't get to hear it, and I want you to suffer too. Mm. If we have to and suffer, I, they have to suffer. If yes. I deafen so I don't have to hear it, again, you guys don't have to hear it. So I'm stuck listening to it. God damn it! In fairness, though, normally I don't get this many opportunity openings. There was just a lot of openings tonight. There were. There were quite to go a to few Ikea. <laughs> I like that one. It was like a fucking Bazooka Joe comic. You have no idea how right that is. <laughs> for the size of the the what map the for the tree. And he would have well, the map was written on paper. Like, yeah, I don't know what that looks like. <laughs> That's that's a fucking map, but Karen doesn't know what that is. Yes, the tree was okay with the paper. He is not. <laughs> it is not a foreign idea to him that humanoid civilizations create parchment and such out of his dead kin. He is a treant. <laughs> he knows how the world works. I mean, clearly he's been roaming the same fucking grove for a hundred years. So, yeah. No thousands. Not all true well, equal. He did. Did he say thousands? I thought he thousands. said. He said thousands. I was fucking paying attention. He this has is roamed. New. He has roamed these woods for thousands of years. There are no villages within a hundred miles. Oh, that's where I got a hundred from. Numbers. Yeah. Does the tree and eat trees? Because turtles <laughs> will eat turtles. <laughs> Herringons won't eat rabbit though, or potatoes. 
He's he's trying to think of something. I can see nope. the gears turning. <laughs> What's wrong, Zephyr? Got a hair in your mouth? Rabbit got your tongue? Oh. Yeah, how does it feel? How does it feel? <laughs> it feels like you're uh, jumping to at straws there. All right. Yeah. That being said, thank you for joining us on our first test stream for Night Owl Nerds, the podcast. Um, yeah, thank you guys for joining us very much. We greatly appreciate your presence in this momentous occasion for all of us. We are well, we were all very excited to do this, even though I kind of um, dropped it on everybody today. Uh, but hey, we did it. We pulled it off. Thanks for your support. Thanks for being here. And we will catch you for the next live stream in approximately two weeks. And remember, what the hell was the slogan you came up with, Joe? Oh, come in. Uh, I forgot. Oh, my gosh. About I rolling. Have... Join us as we roll through the night. Yes. There you go. I join wrote it now. And don't <laughs> forget the next time to join us as we roll through the night. God, I well, like that. You know what? Yeah. It's a work in progress. Viking, that was pretty good. We might have to turn that into a soundboard item. Anyway, good night. Night. Good night. Peace.